Go ahead and have a seat. Sorry, Priya. Where's the voice coming from? Well, good morning. My name is Matt. Oh, we can do better than that. Come on now. Good morning. There we go. My name is Matt. I am one of the pastors here, and it is great to be with you this morning. All right, so I have a question for you. Have you ever done or had maybe something, someone done this for you? One of those uh, like character or personality like word clouds, you know, maybe as a gift. They usually look something like this. Kind of, just, just like kind of ring a bell. You know, they kind of have this, like all the cool words. Anyone have those for their birthday or something like this? Someone's really been like thoughtful or kind. Brick, you seemed really enthusiastic with that wave. Like, yeah, 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 people love me. Um, <laughs> One of the, what's pretty cool about these, by the way, is, um, can you all see, I think we might have, oh, did we get too close with these guys? Can you all see over them? You can? All right, just want to make sure. Um, okay, so, you know, we work really hard on the graphics. We don't just be like missing them all day, right? Okay, so, um, but usually they're like this, right? Super positive, right? Like sincere, helpful. I mean, don't you want to know this person? Like affectionate and honest and optimistic. I mean, I mean, it's not mine, if you're wondering. <laughs> that's, not, that's not mine. Um, but um, these are very cool. So, you know, birthday ideas, if you're kind of just running out right now, you're like, ooh, cool. So unless someone's here with you, in which case now it's just awkward because, you know, it was my idea. <laughs> but what would be the word cloud that would characterize, like, where you're at right now? If you had to enter a whole series of words that were going to kind of fill something like this that would describe where your soul is or where maybe our soul is collectively as a church or as a, as a nation. Uh, if I'm totally honest, um, as I've kind of just taken a tally, looking back over the past, I don't know, let's just say, I don't know, let's take 18 months or so, just a random amount of time, you know, something around March of 2020. And just kind of take a tally of what has what what unfolded, what's been rolling around from like a, our characteristics, articulations, conversations, observations, stuff I'm hearing from other pastors, something I, things I'm hearing from, you know, you, um, from each other, from folks that are connected to one another. Well, for some of them, it's, there is, and I say some, some expectancy and some hope and, and some groundedness. Uh, but I would say that for the majority of us, the word cloud includes words more like this. So maybe you can do like a check box, you know, like, like which of these applies to you? Select all that apply. I hear a lot of anxious, a lot of uncertain, a growing sense of scarcity. I hear angry. I hear a lot of disconnected and isolated. There's a good bit of divided, a good bit of partisan. A sense of powerlessness, a sense of exhausted, just plain old tired. And then a little bit more than that, depressed, cynical, skeptical, distrustful. And then there's just a sense of just lost and, and adrift. How many of you checked at least a couple of those boxes in your life? Maybe the people that you know best or it's in church. You, you were in church. You can, you can say the real thing, you know, real God wants to know the real you and all. But I think some of what we're experiencing right now is um, because of what's going on, there's this idea that we're maybe, maybe believing the worst about each other and we, we've lost some of the nuance of what it means to be buoyant towards people, to have a generous spirit, being more humble. 
When we stop filling the gap with trust, instead we're filling the gap with suspicion. It feels like over the 18, last 18 months, it's like we, we, we hunkered down, right, for a minute, and then we kind of like reemerged, and things had changed, and, and, and people had moved away, some people, to new jobs, or, or people, you know, changed churches, or just things had been lost. Relationships had shifted. You had people that you used to feel connected to or, or, or knew well, you thought, but then now you're finding that maybe you guys are kind of at odds about major topics or major issues. So there's a sense of disconnection. I think all of this, what, what I'm observing, this is, uh, you know, sociology according to Matt in this moment, but it, it seems like one of the things it's creating is this kind of hyper-focused on just the right now, just getting through right now. Because like the promise is maybe right around the corner, it's going to get better. So if we can just fix right now, if we can saturate ourselves in just getting through now and trying to focus a little bit on what's been lost and maybe oh, what isn't anymore, it's just disorientation. That's what seems to be in the air. That's what seems to be, well, the word cloud. So what would your word cloud look like this morning? What would it be filled with? Landscape has shifted. For some of us, it's shifted around us for sure, and, and, and for some of us, it's shifted in us. But there's one thing that hasn't changed. Two years ago, um, you know, uh, BC, before COVID, as a church, we articulated a vision whereby we were going to invest ourselves as a church for six years in, in becoming a renewed kind of people, a different kind of people, a remade kind of people. And that's what we're going to keep doing. That's where we're going to keep heading. That's where we're going to keep moving because that actually hasn't changed. If anything, I would say it's more needed than ever. If you remember, was this two years ago now? Yeah, two years ago. I sat in a, in, a, in a raft. You remember I got this picture of like this raft and then there was, I had like a kiddie pool over here. Lots of, lots of props, you know. We're all tired now, so we don't, we don't have time for props, you know. <laughs> I painted a picture of us as a church and, and of us as people in this raft instead of sitting in this baby pool, envisioning a church that, that isn't just like dropping anchor or doing the easy thing, the, the two-inch deep kind of spirituality that's this kind of stagnant reality. No. Vision a church that's, that's choosing to journey on the fast-paced, moving river that is the power and purpose of Christ. Like that we are to be a people who are on the move with Jesus. We want to be the kind of people, we said, that we're going to be formed by Christ. And then are going to be manifesting this life of Jesus as he puts it into us, as he implants it into us everywhere we go in every context of our lives. This means that we're not going to be spectators. No, we're going to be like, like trained guides, people in a raft with a paddle, with a helmet, on the go, engaged, truly, tr truly trained disciples that are, that are awake to Christ, that are alive to our calling, and they're deployed to, to bring life to people that don't have life, that are truly adrift, that don't know what is up. We want to be the kind of people who are thriving in this world. And so we, we dream about a day now, and that's the process and the journey we've been on where when we as men and women know, know who we are 
why we get out of bed in the morning and, and, and not, and be the focus of what we're talking about today, not like some vague idea, but like a vivid picture, something that's clear enough to that we can come back to it when everything gets flipped upside down, also known as the last 18 months. Because it's clear, it's compelling, and we know it, and we know the one who gave it to us. It's a spirit-infused picture. To this end, we want to engage in a biblically-fueled, biblically-saturated process of spiritual formation, being formed by Jesus, a kind of, kind of process that's centered on Christ and that, that, that leads us to take courageous risks with our lives and with our relationships. Because we reject the idea that life is supposed to be lived just unbothered and unencumbered. We want to become individuals. We want to be people who are shaped by the scriptures and, and who find ourselves walking with Jesus in just common, regular conversations with God throughout our day. We want to become spouses who are increasingly choosing and pursuing each other. We want to be parents who are, who are, who are training our kids and, and, and speaking and breathing buoyancy and, and, and hope into their hearts. We want to be employees who infuse kingdom meaning into the everyday work that we're a part of. And, and we do bring buoyancy to our teammates and to our coworkers. And we want to engage in committed communities, the kind of communities, the kind of communities where we're roping our lives together so that we can, we can fend off the isolation that is just pervasive everywhere. The kind of communities that give each other courage to step into the isolated lives of other people, neighbors and friends. In essence, we, we want to become the kind of people who are humble and yet bold. Men and women who are formed in Jesus and are, are committed to speaking more good news and to making more things right and affecting the trajectory of the people that are around us for good. We want to be those kinds of people. We want to become those kinds of people. How, how do we do that? What does it mean to be part of a, a biblically sound process of formation? Well, we've been spending these first couple years now, but we have a six-year journey of focusing on six essential elements of formation. You can see them right there on the board and on that board. So helpful. So here's what we long to do and be as people. We want to become the kind of people who hear and respond to God, who hear from God and respond to him. We want to be the kind of people who are grounded in God's word. We want to become the kind of people who live out our calling and community. We want to become the kind of people who pray like our lives depend on it. We want to be the kind of people who make disciples as we go, and we want to become the kind of people who worship from a whole heart. That's the journey of formation. That's the process of what it looks like to move into discipleship with purpose and with intentionality. This is the word cloud that makes us resilient and buoyant in the midst of all that's been going on and of all that will be going on. This is what it means to be discipled to be able to move towards buoyancy and flourishing even in times like this. And what we've been doing is walking through the first couple years together. And last week was the end of year two, and today is the beginning of year three. But let's take a little step back, because I think it's really important, to, when, when, anytime you, you put out something that says, hey, for the next six years, here's kind of where we're heading, it seems just like it's, well, nebulous. Like as an idea, and, and focused year one in particular, we found ourselves like trying to focus in intentionally on one particular dynamic, and that is to hear and respond to God. 
And our focus, the way we articulated it, was we were going to be the kind of people who would take risks, who would take faith-filled steps of courage all, all in the midst of our life, all in the midst of the things that are challenging and uncertain. What did that mean? That meant that we were going to be the kind of people who would listen to God because God's talking to us. It was assuming that, that God's on the move and he's speaking to us and he's inviting us to listen and to follow him. And in following him, that we would find ourselves knowing, trusting, and being changed by him. And so we had this crazy notion, and we give you this tool, it's called a discipleship tool, this tool that invited you to identify what is something that God's inviting you to step into. What's, what's a, what's a faith-filled step of courage that God could call you into? And so it was things like, hey, confess something that you did wrong. Like, tell someone that you lied about something that you lied about. Forgive someone that hasn't even asked for forgiveness. Tell the truth when it's just uncomfortable to do so. Say no to something or say yes to something in a way that's actually going to cost you and you're not sure how it's going to go. Give in a way or in a time that it's unexpected. Ask people for help. Ask someone to lunch that maybe you wouldn't normally. Ask someone to church because who does that? It was, it, was, it was believing that God is speaking to us. He's inviting us to, to step towards him and in stepping towards him that we would experience the reality of the grounding we have in God. And that we don't know that he's actually able to carry us until we truly take a step out. That he will, he'll catch us even if it doesn't go well. And, and I, we had all kinds of stories of moments where it was like, yes, the Lord is telling me to do this. And it didn't go well. Like it was, you know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront this person and I'm sure it's going to make our relationship so much better. And it didn't. But it was clearly what God was inviting us into, people into, just say people, that's the general thing. But it, but it was faithfulness. And of course, it's what we saw through the scriptures and what we see in our own experiences that when God calls us to trust him and, and leads us in particular ways and circumstances, that's where we end up finding him, even if we don't know what the outcome will be. That's because in the midst of the process is where we realize that God has tethered himself to us. That when our, that when our faith is just comfortable, when it's, when it's easy and, and predictable and doesn't cost us anything, our God ends up real small. And so it was an invitation to take God at his word to say, hey, you can actually trust me and move into uncomfortable, scary environments in your life that could truly cost you, and I will be in it with you. You're tethered to me. I've got you. I'll go with you. That we'd be people who would hear and respond to God. That that's, in a sense, the most basic way of understanding discipleship. That's why the first year... We focused all of our energies there, taking those kinds of faith-filled steps of courage. And what's fascinating to me is what, what may have happened, because we kind of got interrupted by um, some virus thing, um, can we just all laugh a little bit about the fact that like in January, we got teachers that said, we take risks, you know, and then in March, we're like not able to be in the same room together. <laughs> that's some solid, that's trusting God and finding out that was not the best way to go, right? So that's just, right. Because God's good and kind. But, but it's not, this was not about doing, checking a box for a year, right? 
that we're, there's a cumulative effect of what we're inviting one another into, that to be the kind of people who are assuming that God is talking to us right now, even in year two, or even heading into year three notion. He's, he's talking to us. He's inviting us to live that kind of life, and that we would continue to pursue him, continue to ask him, that, that we'd use tools like this to help us move towards him, to, to wonder and to experience his love and faithfulness to us. So, today, you're re-envisioned to be the kind of people who take faith-filled steps of courage, who assume that their ear is to the ground, or maybe better said, ear is to the sky, ear is to the spirit, ear is to the word, asking him, really asking him, Lord, what would you have me move into, choose, step out in, risk, believing you that you have me. So we haven't graduated. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be the people who hear and respond to God's call. And then this last year, we shifted into year two, which is becoming the kind of people who are grounded in God's word. And it was, it was perfect because we, and by the way, we'd actually landed on this before COVID hit, had some questions. People were like, hey, this was a great response to COVID. It's like, it was actually planned. I'm just really grateful we didn't have to plan it in light of this. But we, we, right, we, we agreed, we say, hey, we're going to be the kind of people who are going to be solidly grounded in God's truth. And why did we do this? Why do we spend a year in the Bible? I mean, like, I remember, I remember standing up here a year ago going like, guys, we're going to read the Bible every day <laughs> or almost every day and being like, right, we can do this, right? And, and, and it, was, it seemed crazy. It seemed like this wild thing. Like, I, I, I hadn't done it in my life until way further in my spiritual journey. I was like, I, I only knew a few people who'd actually read it more than once, and, but here we go. So why do we do this? Why do we focus on the scriptures for a year? Because well, let's be honest, we're all seeking solidity, right? We're all trying to find solid ground. The ground beneath is constantly shifting. And of course, we've seen that in spades this last year. And, and what's, what's, what we're maybe not as aware of is that there, we're all going somewhere to find where the ground really is, where true solidity really lies, where our hope and our peace and our sense of self even is. And so what I suspect over this year is that there's been, well, there's been the challenge of other places, other, someone, somewhere, something that, that is, well, that's bartering to be your source of security and stability, to be your peace. And it could be a news channel or it could be like a YouTube channel that you prefer to a special podcast that tries to tell you whatever, and just trying to get some kind of grounding. Maybe it's checking the CDC, whatever, trying to find some kind of like, it's going to be okay. And our desire this year was to say, to, to follow the Lord's invitation, was to say, no, 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 no. Like the ground is me. Like I am solidity. Come what may, amidst uncertainties, I am the ground. I am the one in which you trust. And my word will sustain you. It is where the ground is. So we spent a year following the Lord's invitation to become our source of stability in him through the truth of his word. And as I said a minute ago, it, it's one of the primary ways in which we do year one to hear and respond. Now, I'd love to take, we have a, 
we have a moment of celebrating. Because anytime you finish something, you should have a celebration. So under your seats, you have some stickers on a budget. So just, you know, there's some stickers and then there's some vinyl clings. Because we know that you're just a, just such a diverse set of people, diverse sets of tastes. So, so this, uh, the, the white background is the sticker. So don't, you know, put that on your friend's car. Um, the vinyl cling, though, is the one with the black background. And, and what it says, it says, grounded 2020-2021. So why, why, why are we doing this? One, because it's just great to take a moment and realize, like, we did something together. And, and now, <laughs> this is what I'd like to ask. Not how many of you finished reading every book of the Bible, because if we do that, then it becomes that that's what it was about. And I know a bunch of you who did, but that's not the point. What I'd like to know is how many of you, and this would be a great show of hands, how many of you read a book of the Bible that you had either never read before or that you hadn't read in, let's say, five years? Show of hands. Hands up. That's awesome. Okay, so what about, what's my other question here? I have another question. Okay, who read more or, or an equal amount of the Bible this year than they ever had before? Equal or more than they ever had before? That's awesome. Good. This is really exciting. Like those, uh, the, um, the pins on here t- tell, tell a story. And, they, and, they, and they're telling a story of, of, of faithfulness and struggle, right? The reality of what it looks like to try and engage the Word of God on a regular, ongoing way. And it, and it, it, it could be challenging. But it's also really life-giving. And so this is one last exercise I'd like you to just think about. So I'm going to give you a minute to kind of reflect. I know church is not the best moment to do internal reflection. But like, can you think back over this last year at a time when you were reading at one moment or another and God met you? Like he, you had a moment with the Lord where he showed you something about himself, where he showed him you something about you. And, and your heart was knit and connected to him. And you saw him. You saw yourself and it was good. Can you think about it a moment? Let me give you a moment just to see if you can reflect back. See it, the word is living and active, right? Sharper and two-edged sword, like it comes after you in the best way to comfort you and, and to challenge you. I can think of one particular moment um, back, way back in the Old Testament where <clears throat> like I knew theologically that, that God had created these, all these means, all these sacrifices, all these offerings as a means of letting people know that, that he wanted to have relationship with him. But I've always thought of him just as the avenue, the means, right? I'm just like, okay, cool, God did this. It was like a fact. It kind of laid there on the table. And this was the first year as I was reading, and, and I, but suddenly I realized, wait, he wanted all along to be connected to his people and to have them know that they would be connected and could be connected to him. Like he, his longing, and I just remember I'm reading this, and suddenly out of nowhere, I just like tears start streaming. Like he wants his people near. And it took a theological fact and a thing I'd read before, and it, and it mixed them into the midst that God wants to be near to me. 
And I need to know that God wants to be near to me because sometimes I don't feel like I'm worthy to have God near to me. Sometimes I don't think I care to have God near to me. And yet, nonetheless, he wants to be near to me. Did you have a moment like that? Any kinds of moment like that? Any hey, show of hands? Anything? Anyone have a, a, a tangible moment? All right, I'm doing this. I know. See, I should have had the mic out first, right? How afraid are you now? All right, Rachel. Can I do? Can I, yep. Come on. You had a strong hand when you raised. All right. T- tell us just briefly what that looked like. We'd love to hear. Man, um, I had, I think I had multiple moments. It was definitely a, sorry, all right, holding it up. Sorry, this has been a hard weekend. Um, I think this, this weekend, God's met me where I'm at um, and brought scriptures back to my mind and stuff from reading this year. We had to say goodbye to our dog yesterday, which was really hard. So God's wow. been with me in the midst of that and brought, hmm. I've uh, been listening to the Dwell app um, to, get through some of the scriptures over the last few weeks and I feel like it's been comforting to my heart to hmm. um, hear the Psalms especially read to me and stuff. Yeah. So that's been one of mine. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Kim, I didn't tell you I wanted to hear from you because you wouldn't have let me, but I know you're behind the camera. You thought you were safe. You, you were telling me something a couple weeks ago or at our meeting. So do you want to just share? I'm not in front of people. I know you're not ready. Why I do this is Kim, by the way. She does everything. Um, but you don't ever get in front of the camera, on a set, so uh, tell us a little bit. Okay, so I think one of the most impactful pieces of scripture for me was Psalm um, 130, where it says, my soul waits like the watchman waits for the morning. Because for me, it sort of tied all of the Old and New Testament together. And so as I read it, I felt like God began to do a really cool work on my heart about basically I want to be a kind of person that not only acknowledges like the watchman, you know, like the fear of the night and the things in the night, but wholeheartedly bets on the morning and that Jesus has and is and will come and restore and sorry. That's that was hugely impactful for me this year. That's awesome. Thanks. Can I Kim. now give you this? You can hold on to the mic. Does that everyone feel better now? A little safer? This is what it means to avail ourselves of the means of grace that God's given us by being the kind of people that are grounded. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't stop now, right? Like one of the things I've been just asking folks has been like, okay, so, so now what, you know? Going forward, how do we not check the box, but how do we stay grounded? How do we become more grounded? So here's a couple thoughts. One is, we've given you a tool now, right? One is this. Inside on page one, which is, if you haven't opened this in, I don't know, you know, a year, it's okay. Because um, we had the app, and the app was amazing, and I would totally encourage you to keep using it, especially because the videos were incredible. But, um, but in the, on page one is actually just a very simple Bible study method, which is to be able to read a scripture, maybe a smaller section of scripture than you were reading before, and to be able to ask, you know, what is God showing me about himself? And secondly, what is God revealing about my heart, my identity, my life? And then how can I respond? And then who can I tell? That's just, that's like, this is the simplest tool of what do you do when you're reading the Bible? And I've got some folks that have talked about, hey, listen, I, I had to blitz through. <laughs> Amanda was like, we had to go too fast. You know, just, I wanted to take more. Anyway, so that, I know it was challenging in all kinds of ways, but maybe there's places you didn't get to. Maybe there's places that you had to kind of gloss over or run over. 
And that would be a moment this coming year to maybe go back and, and maybe sit, reflect, learn other Bible still skills like, like meditation and taking just one verse at a time and just letting it kind of roll around in the palate of your heart. Those are avenues in which the scriptures continue to ground us. And what I just want to encourage you is there's a bunch of people who've like created some new rhythms. I've heard people that like, they created a morning walk rhythm or they, an evening reading rhythm. And like, I just want to encourage you, like, this is a moment to be able to continue a good rhythm that you've established. Maybe to, and add some creativity, some new environments. Maybe, you know, like a podcast or, I mean, or I'm sorry, a, 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 new, a different kind of app. Maybe you want to listen to it this year. But we want to continue to be people that are hearing from God in order to respond by being connected to his word. That's what it means to be discipled by God through his spirit, through his word. So one of the particular ways you can do that this fall and spring uh, or winter, I guess, is through um, in, in light, instead of doing um, Discovery Bible groups, uh, the women are going to be doing a Galatians Bible study. So if you're interested in that at all, you can take one of the little orange cards that are on every other chair and just fill it out or you can go on the app and you can sign up right there on the app and say, hey, I'd love to be a part of that. We have multiple groups that are going to be starting. And that's going to be focused on one particular book for about 14 weeks, I believe, seven or eight in the spring and seven or eight in the, I think that's right, seven or eight in the, did I say spring? Seven or eight in the fall, seven or eight in the, in the winter. So that's one of the ways in which if you're like, I've got some rhythms, but I'm not sure where to step, this could be an amazing place. Galatians is the mini Romans, kind of the basis of the foundation of our faith. So if you're interested in being a part of that, definitely check it out on the app. So, as I said, there's a cumulative foundation, right? We're building something. We're trying to build ourselves into a kind of people. I say build ourselves. I'll show you what I mean in a second. But year three, here we come to year three. Becoming the kind of people who live out our calling in community, becoming the kind of people who live out our calling in community. And, and this is maybe the least obvious one to, to many folks. They'd be like, wow, I would expect prayer and I'd expect Bible reading. That makes sense, right? Those kind of our natural formation pieces, but really calling? How's that a thing? Well, in 2002, um, a guy by the name of Rick Warren wrote a book, a little book called The Purpose Driven Life. In the first decade, it sold a measly 32 million copies. And I think in 2020, it's now up to about 50 million copies worldwide, 85 languages. Now, that's just not just good marketing. It, it, it hit a nerve. It struck a longing. So why? Why were so many copies of this book? I mean, it's not Tolkien, you know, it didn't sell 250 million copies, but it's a book about purpose. It's kind of straightforward. It's 40 days, and I bet you, I imagine several of you have read it. Why? It's because we long for purpose. Like we, because we were created by God for purpose. And unfortunately, like too many, maybe of us, are, are walking through our lives unclear about the what that God has made us for struggling to know how and, and where we're supposed to focus our gifts and our energies, and, and maybe even just discouraged about the lack of meaning and the lack of fruit in our roles, in our relationships, and in our work. So we become what I call nice generalists, just good people doing good things, whatever happens to come up or whatever, I don't know, maybe someone asked me to do. And it's not 
evil, certainly not even necessarily wrong, other than we believe that there is a clear sense that God is calling us differently from one another, that we're not identical, that we believe that with God, life is supposed to play itself out this way as, as people who have clear meaning, clear calling, a clear sense of purpose. So here's the, the anchor verse that we're going to be kind of holding on to over the course of this year, and I'll be talking about this more next week. So just, I'm just going to do a quick overview here. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12, this is what it says. It says, to this end, we always pray for you. This is Paul talking to the Thessalonians. That our God may make you worthy of your calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our desire for this coming year. That God may make us worthy of his calling. That he may fulfill every resolve for good, not generalistic spirituality, but, but tangible good that's been appointed to you and to me. That he may fulfill every work of faith. And that's not just church stuff. That's whole life stuff. And how is he going to do this? Do you see it? By his power. So I don't know if you feel a little stressed out, a little uncertain about how in the world is it supposed to, it's like it's okay. Once again, the gospel rings true. It's not going to be you. It's going to be you participating with a God who's going to do the work with and in and to you. By his power. And what's the ultimate purpose of us participating with God and living out the calling he has for us? The ultimate purpose so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. To glorify God with who we are and him be glorified in us. You probably heard it said before, Saint, um, I guess he goes by Saint, but Arrhenius, the early church father, said famously, the glory of God is man fully alive. But it continues, he says, and the life of a man consists in beholding God. Both pieces are really important. The first part's more famous, right? That the glory of God is man fully alive. That's a, that's a God-infused life. That, that is God's good purposes and his good power being manifested through us. That's what he's saying. But it also says, and the life of a man consists of beholding God. That's a God-focused life. That's not me and how do I get to do my thing. That's a God-oriented, God-focused life where our hearts are aimed and consistently being reoriented towards him. And that's what we're going to do this coming year. In our preaching, in our equipping, in our community groups, we're going to start off this, this year um, preaching a series called On Purpose which will actually be kind of the umbrella picture for the entirety of this, at least the first half of the year. We're going to be looking at discovering and delighting God's calling. Now, we're going to be doing so also in the context of community, right? So we're going to be talking about community a little bit later in the year. But we're going to be talking about the idea of the general calling and then, and then a specific particular calling. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts and gifting and passion and story, a whole bunch of things. 
And then we're going to move after that, we're going to move into a very particular kind of way of looking at calling. We're going to look at calling in our roles and relationships. We're going to look at the calling of singleness, of parenting, and being a mom and a dad, the calling of husbands and wives, the calling of, of being a child. Maybe that's you because you're a child, or you're a teen, or you're an adult child, or maybe you're an adult child of aging and ailing parents. So we're going to look at what it means, what kind of calling does Scripture call us to in our roles and responsibilities? And then we're going to, at the beginning of the year, we're going to focus some time on what is our call at work? How do we understand our calling in the context of our work? And then we're going to kind of shift a little bit and, and talk about being on purpose together. We're going to talk about community, the foundations and the functions of community, the, the characteristics of living in a connected community. When we talk about living out your call in community, we're not just talking like living out your call like, you know, with all the people. We're talking about a very specific way of thinking about community as a committed community. And some of the tells on whether you're in a committed community, and we'll be focusing on this intentionally uh, in the new year, but there's a couple of just marks when we're talking about a committed community that you can maybe ask yourself today. Do I have 2 a.m. people? Am I a 2 a.m. person for someone? Can someone pick up the phone and say, I need you to come over at 2 a.m.? And you're like... Cool, I'm on my way. Now, I don't mean like me, like I'm a pastor, you call me, yeah, I will show up at 2 a.m. That's because it's my role, right? I'm talking about people that are in your life, that you've let in your life, and that, are, that, that you are in their life in a way that they would call you at 2 a.m. Do you have 2 a.m. people? Do you have weekly people? People that are knowing your ongoing life, not just, you know, like, like cliff notes of what you say in passing, but regular time people, rhythmed relationships. Do you have weekly people? One of the ways we talk about committed communities is the, in the past 60 days, have you been called out, confronted, challenged? Have you been called in for support, for help? Because you're needed, because you're someone that would be called to be needed, to comfort. And one other way of saying is, are all parts of my life in the light? Being a committed community means that not with necessarily one individual, but with the totality of my committed community, my life is in the light. There are no hidden dynamics of my, necessarily of my past nor of my present. So as a church, we want to we be the kind of people who are empowering each other to live out the calling that God has on our lives every day in every area of our lives, in our health, in our relationships, in our families, in our work, in our play, in our... But understanding our calling is not obvious. And it's not usually easily discerned. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a man's heart is deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. It's a great verse. It's a meaningful verse to some people in my life. One of the things that's fascinating to me is that this, this verse tells us two really in, I think pivotal things. One is good and one is challenging. The first, it's, first thing it tells us is that the purposes of our hearts can be known. Like there is, it can be articulated. There is a sense of like there are deep things in you that you long for, that you've been made for, that God's imprinted on you and they can be known. They can be articulated. They can be drawn out. That's exciting. That's energizing. That should be hopeful for all of us. This, the second half is a little more challenging in that these purposes are deep waters. 
It takes becoming a person of, it's almost says, of understanding to get to those deep purposes. And so you might say, okay, Matt, how do I become a man, a woman of understanding so I can access said, said deep waters? Well, usually by really purposeful reflection, prayer, and diligent unearthing, which is why you're probably going to need help, like I need help. So that's one of the primary purposes why we're creating the space or investing in this unique primer tool. We're doing that starting on September 12th for those of you who aren't in a community group. If you're in a community group, we're inviting all the community groups to kind of jump in and participate over the course of six weeks and asking those questions and using tools that can help us be diligent and clarifying and articulating the reality of how there can be a difference in our life as we understand the reality of who we are, how God's created us, not just out inside the church, but far beyond that, based on his particular calling on us. So here's our goal. Our goal for this year, our hope for this year, is that each of us would be able to, but by the end of our time, to be able to articulate as clearly as possible a single sentence, maybe a, we call a two words dynamic that would, that would clarify in our hearts because it means something much deeper, how we've been called by God to live out in this world, in our context. That we would do some of the work that it takes to become people of understanding, that we would draw out what God has implanted in us, what God is whispering to us, or maybe what God is maybe shouting to us at this juncture. And that beyond just even being able to articulate it, which some of you have already done that work, some of you have actually have a real clear sense. You could put in one single sentence the reality of your calling that, that we would then each of us take active new or, or specific steps to activate our calling in a particular context that God's called us into. There's a, um, I think if there was a, a way of expressing what seems to be a foot in most of our cultural context, and that includes our, the church, is everyone's like this. Just kind of one step back, just leaning back just a little. I think we're all, right, there's a little bit of uncertainty, so we're just kind of like a, a leaning back. And, and what's wild is like, yeah, I understand. I know there's a surge going on. I know where we are. And yet I, God's inviting us to lean in and lean towards, to move more deeply into the things that he's called us to, and to, to take tangible, active steps that we would manifest that life of Christ in us, that we would take Jesus for a spin in the places that he's put us. Because that's what he's about. That's why he rescued us. That's why he saved us. And that we'd start by his grace to see fruit, like really exciting, good, lively, lasting fruit. And I think that's where I want to leave you with John 15, 16. Jesus says to his disciples, it's on the night he's betrayed. He looks at them and he says, listen, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or that it would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Loved ones, Jesus has chosen you if you belong to him. But, but it's not a static reality. The gospel doesn't have us sit down. It has us stand up and move out. It appoints us. Jesus has appointed us, he says. 
that we would go and that we would bear real fruit. Not roots. You'd say, I'm going to go bear some roots. No one can see. No. You'll see it. And you know what's amazing, what I love, is that if it's his fruit in us, it remains. It abides. It remains. It lasts. It has lasting impact on the people God's given to us, on the context God's given to us, on the work God's given us, on the kids God's given us. It lasts. And oh, man, that's, that's flourishing. That's fulfillment. That's a certain kind of joy that he's inviting us into this year. And our invitation is to be a part of that, to step into it. And that's what this table reminds us of, right? This table is the, the table of the chosen, right? Now, we didn't choose him. We certainly aren't worthy of being chosen by him. He says, no, no, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And so you get to come. And because we're the kind of people who've been chosen and forgiven and adopted and we belong to him, then he gets to invite us to this table. And we get to be also a table of, of sending, right, of people who go out with that good news and with that new life in us in a way that bears fruit. So maybe you're looking, you're going like, man, I, Got some branches and some old roots, but I haven't seen a lot of fruit lately. I have good news. Here we go. Let's see what God wants to produce in and through you this coming year. Will you trust him as you come and receive these elements? Would you just submit your life to him and say, Lord, I want to see more coming out of me, more of the life of Jesus manifested through me to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, I praise you that you've made us for something. That we're not all the same. That you've made us alive in you so that we would bear fruit in a way that would glorify you. Which there is no higher honor than us being able to bring glory to God. And so, Father, we, we want to be those people. And we recognize that in a room this size and online, we people in all kinds of places, emotionally, spiritually. The people had a really bad week this week, and the idea of a calling probably sounds like the furthest thing away, but Lord, like, you know what you're doing in our lives, and you made us for purpose. So Father, would you ignite that in us? Would you make us hungry and curious? Would you give us hearts of understanding that we would be able to draw that out through your spirit, that we would enjoy the fellowship we have of being chosen, belonging to you, and we get to invite other people into it just by the way in which we live out our purposes. The Lord, the world needs you and you've sent us. So here we are. We receive these elements with gratitude. Thank you for the reminder of whose we belong to. And Lord, send us in power to the praise of your name. Amen. Well, if you belong to Jesus, this meal is for you. It's an opportunity for you to be reminded of being chosen and of your call. So come and receive the grace of Jesus Christ.